Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I'm your host, Roy Turner. Great show this week. None other than Brian Tatler from new wave of British heavy metal legend, Diamond Head. Um, of course, you can't uh, overstress or exaggerate the influence that this band has had uh, on bands that went on to be much, much bigger than they. So they kind of have this kind of Cinderella story in a sense uh, without ever actually kind of getting that brass ring there. So there's always kind of like, that's kind of this kind of underdog thing when you think about, about Diamond Head. But when I think about Diamond Head, I think about just longevity. A uh, band is celebrating 40 years as a band. Um, and different, of course, you know, many, many different lineups over the years. But so uh, I've, I've, Brian is somebody that I've been friendly with for, for many, many years. Uh, it was so great to be able to, to sit down and, and, and speak with him. And we had a great time. And I'm looking forward for you to, to be able to hear that. Uh, also, uh, a regular on the show is a longtime friend of mine, um, Mike DeQuincio, who is also a writer, and he is also a musician. He is in one of one of the heaviest bands uh, out of the Dallas Denton area here in Texas uh, called The Spectacle, and so uh, we're going to be talking with him here in a little bit. Um, I disclaim, and I'll disclaim several times, that I wish there could be a Diamond Head interview or something with Diamond Head without mentioning Metallica, uh, because that, that's all that's all it ever is. It's 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 intertwined. Um, if Metallica didn't exist or didn't go on, would we still be talking about Diamond Head? Why well, I, I hope so, and I like to think so. Uh, so it's, it's so it's a little unfair on that aspect, but at it, it, the, the exact same time, what a lot of people don't realize was that it's actually thanks to Metallica uh, of why they're actually able to still exist as a band. Because uh, they were all but done uh, pretty much before Metallica really achieved the heights that they did. I think it was, I think they were basically broken up even before Master of Puppets came out. So, and you will, so instead of hearing resentment from Brian Tatler, you will hear gratitude uh, for those reasons. And other than the fact that Brian's just an awesome guy and he says something really great in the interview, he goes, Hey man, there are worse jobs. So, very excited to bring you. Uh, I'm, I'm a massive Diamond Head fan. Uh, and for like a lot of people, my gateway to them was through Metallica. Um, so that's, uh, that's that's another thing to you have to kind of incorporate when you think about that. You know, uh, a lot of stuff going on before, before we dive in. I wanted to mention uh, it's con season, meaning uh, Comic-Con or, you know, any type of convention that's kind of in the world of, you know, comics and sci-fi fantasy or just pop culture in general is of course we're a big part of that uh so, so we just returned from all con uh in addison texas and we've got and also this past weekend was the big texas pinball festival and that was great i got to uh hang out with sam jones of course flash gordon the savior of the universe which is just surreal to say that uh all together uh, of course, you guys remember that Sam was on the show a few weeks ago, and if you haven't checked that out, I definitely implore you. Sam's a, an, an amazing guy, and and I did something very surreal. Also, I want to encourage you guys to go to trickykid.com, tricky-kid.com, because you can see pictures and things like that. And you'll see from from Alcon, uh, from the Texas Pinball Festival, a great shot of me and Sam playing Flash Gordon Pinball. So how often do you get to play Flash Gordon Pinball with Flash Gordon? So... A great, great surreal moment. Elvira was there. Cassandra Peterson, she's awesome. Uh, had a great time with uh, with with her and speaking with her and 
and uh, the, that's quickly, I can't say quickly, it has become perhaps my favorite weekend or one of my favorite weekends of the entire year. It is such a blast. And uh, I, I mean, again, it's, you know, it's, it's on one hand, you could be cynical and say it's a bunch of, you know, nerdy middle-aged men that are fetishizing uh, a, a, a past interest that adult life doesn't give them enough time to, to, to obsess over. But on the other hand, Screw that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff. Um, some of the best stuff I've had, some of the best people that I've met in the last few years. Uh, I was out there, of course, representing, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Tricky Kid Radio uh, and also uh, Quarter Lounge Arcade in Bedford, Texas. If you're ever in Bedford, make sure you are in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Check out probably the most legit, uh, authentic retro arcade I've ever been in. Uh, I'm very, very, very proud of that. We, uh, also, my alter ego DJ Tricky Kid will be DJing there, uh, coming up May tenth. Uh, some other stuff, uh, so much stuff coming up this weekend. That thinking of all that kind of stuff is uh, this weekend is the big, you know, Dallas Comic Con Fan Days Expo. It's going to be a huge, the big one at downtown Dallas here at the convention center. Uh, Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Campbell's going to be there. The cast of uh, Rocky Horror. Uh, Gosh, so many people. Willa Holland's going to be there. Um, uh, I believe, I'm trying to think, of course, obviously Stan Lee's going to be there. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, also, speaking of appearances, you also can see my alter ego, DJ Tricky Kid, in Frisco, Texas this weekend on March 31st, <clears throat> uh, celebrating their one-year anniversary, the National Video Game Museum. There's only one in the world, and uh, we're already a, a year into it. So... Uh, definitely check uh, check that that out. I'm gonna be up there with uh, MC uh, Tech Force, uh, a frequent uh, collaborator, and also you know we're a gang now, man. Me and him are got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, <clears throat> so April's gonna be busy. Uh, I also wanted to mention that if you're at the Dallas Comic Con this weekend, check out the Comic Shadow. It's a thing called Comics with Dimension with a guy named Richard Jennings uh, and uh, uh, a wonderful woman named Brooke Rivers. They have a great, great business. Uh, it's this really neat thing where they kind of, it's these one-of-a-kind pieces of art where they take a comic book, and again, you know, make sure you've got two, you know, a, a spare copy. You wouldn't want to do it with your original, but he uh, he creates this kind of 3D kind of thing with a uh, like with one of your favorite comic books. And these are one-of-a-kind artworks that he does himself, and they're custom-made, and they're just fantastic. Um, you can reach him at the, at the comics shadow at gmail.com to inquire more. But if you see, uh, Richard and Brooke, definitely tell them that we said hello and check out their work. It's fantastic. Uh, and gosh, Texas Frightmare Weekend is also coming up, uh, in May. So lots and lots of great stuff coming up. Like I said, uh, go to trickykid.com to look at pictures and, and stories from all con and the Texas pinball festival. If you haven't heard the interview uh, with Sam Jones, Flash Gordon, definitely download that. Like I said, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, check us out at Dallas Comic-Con Fan Expo this weekend. And also if you're out of the National Video Game Museum, uh, celebrating their one-year anniversary. So lots and lots of good stuff. So wanted to dive in here uh, and kind of talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Diamond Head. And I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, reiterate because you can hear a lot of stuff. When, when we get Mike DeQuinzio on here in a second, and of course, to bring you uh, Brian Tatler. One thing I wanted to mention was that, uh, you know, uh, for like I said, a lot of people, the Gateway course is through Metallica, who also just released, after eight long years, 
their new album, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, which, you know, we're going to take a chance to talk about that, of course, you know, because that's still a, a, you know, they're still a big enough band and a relevant enough band to where their albums are still major, major events. And uh, and it's a great record. So uh, very excited to talk about that, too. Um, so one thing that a lot of people don't know, like I said, when they think of, at least Americans, at least, when they think about Diamond Head, they think about that's that band that influenced Metallica if they knew anything at all. or <clears throat> And young people uh, or people that were, you know, teenagers in the 80s, Metallica was such a brotherhood. Uh, you know, it was very much, you know, us against them type kind of thing. And <clears throat> so with Metallica kind of leading that charge, there, you know, it was unthinkable that these songs weren't there. So when you couldn't help but be you know, disappointed when, if, if you took the, the initiative to go, hey, I want to hear the originals. Well, I mean, that, that's already a, a doomed, you know, prophecy right there because, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> because, <clears throat> gosh, I don't know what's wrong with me, <clears throat> because you were so dialed into Metallica that, it, you know, that almost like if you heard Diamond Head's original, it would sound like, Diamond Head covering Metallica. Of course, completely unfair. I'm just explaining the experience. Um, but uh, but one thing that I that I learned uh, that Metallica got way more uh, than just the the musical influence from Diamond Head. What they got was the live experience. Because one thing that goes hand in hand when any discussion about Metallica is just how devastating they are live. In every lineup they've had. And they only seem to be getting better. If you've even seen the most recent incarnation, you might have seen their collaboration with Lady Gaga, we'll be talking about a little bit later, uh, their appearance on Jimmy Kimmel. They're just firing on all cylinders, man. And so <clears throat> the interesting thing about Diamond Head was, that, of course, they not only did they never make it in America, they never even toured America. Again, celebrating 40 years I was at the American debut of Diamond Head uh, back in when I was still living in New York just a few years ago. Uh, and a few other things, you know, uh, that that you will hear and, and you'll learn. There's been a lot of dysfunction over the years because it, it goes to show you this is also a lesson in how the music business works. Because without the proper management, representation, di distribution, you know, it does truly take a village. Like Lemmy says it in your in, – in his uh, – <clears throat> If you haven't seen the movie uh, about Lemmy, he says, man, it doesn't matter how good you are, you know, in a just world, the best bands are the ones that will make it. But if you don't have all that put together, it will, you'll, you'll never do it. You'll never do it at that level. And that's something that Diamond Head has, has had to kind of suffer through. And again, it's hard to hold anything together for 40 years. And they've had tons and tons of lineups. I've been grateful to have seen the band three times now. Uh, but one caveat is that they've had a different singer all three times. And that's just been in the last four years. So that's almost, you know, a singer a year, which is, you know, can, can, can be taxing, but it looks like the guy they have now, uh, Rasmus, uh, bomb Anderson. He's been in the band for almost three years now. Uh, and he is unbelievably amazing. Of course, you know, people always want that original singer. Uh, and of course with diamond head, that was of course, Sean Harris that actually sings on those, those tracks that, you know, like, am I evil? And, uh, excuse me, and uh, It's Electric and all those, you know, all, all those great, great songs. Uh, the first time that I saw them, it was with Nick Tart. And I think this was back in 2000 and I want to say 13 or 14, back at the back at St. Vitus in Brooklyn. 
when they made their uh, one of their first American debuts. Then there was there's another guy that kind of very very similar look and feel is is believe it or not is like a Sebastian Bach, and he never recorded with them, but he was a touring member. Uh, and gosh, I I, I should uh, be uh, more with their uh, you know better journalist here, but I, I believe his name was was, was I want to say Chad or. Uh, but he very much kind of reminded me of of, uh, of like a, like a Sebastian Bach thing, and the show was still fantastic. It was great. Um, it was the first time they'd ever had come to Dallas, and even then, they kind of you know you could tell that the booking was a little off because they weren't playing like a usual spot that would be deserving of legends like Diamond Head uh, instead of playing at you know one of the reputable places in Dallas like you know like Trees or. Uh, or, you know, the Granada Theater or something. And nothing against the Boiler Room, but they play, you know, this kind of, like, bar thing that's kind of mainly for, like, up-and-coming local bands. So you could tell something something there is not quite all put together there. So you add that with that they're kind of looked at as kind of like this anachronistic, anachronistic thing. It can be detrimental, but uh, the greatest thing about them is, that, like I said, the, is the perseverance because when you see them live, and this interview, actually, where they actually played Trees, this is the third time that I saw them this past December in Dallas, Texas. You know, it was a lean crowd, man. There was probably less than 100 people there. But they played like they were at Wembley Stadium. And they sounded so good. And when you see that, there's just something magical about them. And Metallica has that. And Metallica, of course, worked for that and can thank themselves for it. But it would be remiss to not... Uh, to, to, to mention, you know, the, the, the debt uh, of, of influence that they certainly owe Diamond Head. So, uh, so anyway, so, and then the band is still making music. They're not, they're not a greatest hits thing. I mean, they came out with their self-titled album, Diamond Head, uh, just, you know, just a few months ago in, in late um, 2016. And it's fantastic. You know, it was their first record in almost 10 years. And it's great. If you look at our Tricky Kid top records last year, it, it made the list because it's just it kicks that much ass. Uh, so I want to go ahead and I want to get. Oh, I didn't want to say one more thing. Um, this is this is pretty intense. Uh, so you know, of course, their most famous song is, of course, you know, their their one song. If anyone knows, of course, is "Am I Evil," and that's. I you know I think even without Metallica, that was like if only a few people in 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 you know in the village outside of London that they're from, that would be the song they would still wait for. But, but And that's not a coincidence that Metallica covered that song. Along many songs that they covered. But uh, I wanted to mention this, was that while they were on tour, that their drummer, uh, excuse me, uh, their, sorry, their, their drummer, uh, Carl Wilcox, who, he hasn't been in the band for 40 years, but he's been in the band for... Uh, gosh, you know, a very, very long time. I mean, he's been in, he's been in the band for, uh, excuse me, uh, you know, he, he was there like for a little bit in the early nineties, but he's, and then he left, uh, for almost 10 years, but he's been back in the band for about 15 years. And even though you think of Brian Tatler, he's the, you know, the, the lone standing member been there the entire, you know, 40 years, Carl Wilcox actually acts as the like the like the tour manager and the publicist and i think he might even be the, the besides being a kick-ass drummer he also is 
uh, I think he's their travel agent and their bus driver. And, and I think that it's because Brian doesn't really have much interest in the business side of it. And I think that that has, you know, him focusing on the music side is why there's such a kick-ass band and a kick-ass live band. But I think about not having much interest in the, the, the minutia and the semantics of the business side of it is actually is kind of what's, what, what's hurt them. Uh, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that Carl Wilcox doesn't do a great job. I just mean that I don't think that they have the means or even the, the thing to, you know, to hire somebody that's not a band member to, that, that should be, uh, handling all that stuff instead of it falling to an individual band member, but it does fall to Carl or he volunteers, uh, that I'm unsure of, but I know he does a fantastic job of it. And Carl's a great guy. And like I said, he got him in the trees and, but one thing I wanted to say was what something very tragic, unfortunately, happened was the night before, because uh, we were going to have Carl on as well, uh, the, literally the night before this interview, the night before the, the show in Dallas uh, in December 2016, Carl Wilcox's mom passed away. And could you imagine, you know, losing your mother while you're on tour on the other side of the world and not being able to be there? You know how heavy and hard that must be. And anybody else, myself included, I would, of course, would have immediately left uh, and, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't want to give up my, you know, my responsibilities or let, you know, the whole touring troop down. But, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And in this case, Carl chose to soldier on. Uh, no shows were canceled. He played the show the next night in Dallas. And think about this. Uh is then having to go on stage and play your biggest song where the lyrics are, my mother was a witch. She was burned alive. Satan's little bitch for the tears I cried. Imagine having to sit behind a drum set while, you know, less than 24 hours removed. So not only did he soldier on to play and everything else, you know, anybody else that, that, that would have soldiered on to do that wouldn't have to also endure that. So, man, Carl Wilcox, uh, brother, that is that is unbelievable. That, that the, the, the showing of solidarity there. Uh, obviously, he, he was in no mood to, to, to talk, though. And that is, of course, very understandable. But he was nothing but gracious. And uh, my, my undying respect to uh, Carl Wilcox uh, and my, my, my sympathies go to him and his entire family. And disrespect for the entire Diamond Head organization, uh, and 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 along like I said with you know with, with Brian Tatler, uh, who you're about to hear from the the man the, uh, the the originator the original rebel. So let's have some fun here. Let's get Mike DeQuincio on the phone uh, and check in with him. Okay, joining us now is one of my oldest friends, Mike DeQuincio. Uh, he's a writer and uh, also bassist for uh, one of the heaviest bands in the Dallas Fort Worth area, The Spectacle. Uh, Mike, uh, welcome back to Tricky Kid. Uh, welcome back to Tricky Kid Radio. <laughs> you know the name of the show, Roy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It, it, it's been so long, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> How you been? Uh, good, man. Uh, so again, so we're talking about Diamond Head uh, this week, and you know, and the legendary Brian Tatler uh, joining us, and we kind of want to just, you know, it's it's one of those things where. You know, you could call it the M word. Uh, you, you almost can't talk about Diamond Head without talking about Metallica, uh, and and certainly you can't talk about Metallica without without you know mentioning Diamond Head. I I would like to say that this would be an interview and an episode where you can hear all about Diamond Head without ever mentioning it, 
but with the the coupling of of the first new Metallica record in in eight years, um, and we, you and I haven't had a, had a chance really to, to discuss uh, our individual thoughts on that. It's uh, it's just too ripe for the picking. So uh, so let me ask you this first. So the first time that you heard Diamond Head was it like like a lot of people our age was it through Metallica? Yeah, actually. Because I got Kill 'Em All, and uh, at the time, Kill 'Em All was still being sold with the the two bonus tracks, Am I Evil and Blitzkrieg, on it. And you know, right. now it, it doesn't have those. But Am I Evil was one of my favorite songs on that album. So I didn't even know it was a cover at first, to be honest with you. I was so new to the whole metal thing. For sure. But you know, then it you know learning more. Uh, you know, I tried. I wanted to find out more, and I found out this by some band called Diamond Head. So you know, that's that's basically my first. Uh, Exposure to the, that that band name at all? Did it did it intrigue you at all? Uh, the reason why I asked that was because I can remember actually having, you know, like I mean, I mean, our story I'm sure is very similar to, you know, I'm sure it's probably a, a, a basic story for people our age. I can remember having Kill 'Em All, um, and it didn't have the two tracks on it, and then, but soon after it was re-released with the two. And just like you, I was like, oh, we're going to get two more songs. And I also didn't realize that these were covers because they, they sounded so much. Uh, do you do you think that's indicative of of Metallica making anything that they did sound like to them at the time? Or is that more indicative that, uh, that Metallica was so enamored with this, what is, of course, now we know is called the new wave of British heavy metal. So do you think that... You know, after you went back and heard the originals, do you see Metallica shaping the songs in their own vision, or do you think it was more, especially after what came later with Metallica, do you think that Metallica at that time was shaping themselves to appear more like these people? It's kind of hard to say, actually, because, you know, we've lived with these guys, we're listening to them for 30 years now, so for sure, what I know now, it's hard to separate that from, from the time, but, you know, honestly, they're... One of the I hate to say cover band, but they're one of the best bands that do covers because they do make right. it their own. Like every single song sounds like Metallica, but it's you know like the Garage Inc. album. Yeah, they all sound like Metallica songs, but none of them are. You know. Well, you know they wouldn't keep making those records if they weren't successful. And you know a lot of times when you hear about a band doing a cover, you know there's almost kind of that groan almost like it's almost kind of like a cop out or or why, or some kind of befuddlement. But when it comes to Metallica, and it's always been that way, it seems. Um, I mean, I mean, we were so young when Garage uh, Days, the first one, came out, that I didn't even know those songs were, were, uh, were covers, because... You know, I didn't know what a cover was. I didn't know, I didn't know that that could happen, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, I was just going to say, though, that Helpless is one of my favorites of Metallica's at all. You know, I just... I remember the first right. time I heard the album. You know that that start off of the EP was just so good. And that's a Diamond Head song. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, so it's interesting because I didn't even know that you know that 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 could happen. I mean, you're very right when you say that it's almost impossible to separate the two. But I will say this: that whereas I may have been like, oh man, that's not really them, but it did open up this thing. Oh, and, you know, and at that time, it's very, very important when you're in seventh, eighth grade and you kind of have these kind of harmless uh, competitions with your friends about, you know, wh- who, who is going to discover the newest thing and the most obscure thing. And the fact that they were they weren't American and and, you know, I mean, I, I can remember a time when 
you know, you know, so and so might have introduced Slayer into our mix there, and then suddenly it was Creator, and that was really sexy because they were German, you know what I mean? And so, uh, <laughs> the fact that there, you know, that you know that this was this other band, and and so it was neat to kind of go and try to explore. Uh, that's especially way pre, you know, we're going to date ourselves here, but way before the internet that in order to hear that stuff, there was no, of course, YouTube and internet. You really had to just, you know, invest in it. You had to actually buy the album sight unseen or even unheard. Yeah. And that was back in when I was, you know, so, so young, I was getting two or three pieces of, of music, meaning like complete albums or cassettes a year. That's why a lot of people don't realize the reason why people like you and I know these albums so well, frontwards and backwards, was because, you know, you weren't exposed to so much music. You know, your favorite bands released an album every couple of years, and then and then back then, before the CD, you weren't getting 17, 18 songs. You were getting about eight, right? And yeah, so exactly. it, Yeah, and then you weren't, and then because we were, you know, not the richest people in the world, you were only getting one of these magical little things uh, a couple times a year, maybe on your birthday, Christmas, maybe a, uh, some other, you know, good report card, you know, something like that. So that's yeah. why I always tell people the reason why we know these songs so well, uh, so forwards and backwards, is because, uh, you know, this was this is all that we had. So, and 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 therein lies also what couples. I think the kind of diehard loyal following is if we're if we're going to to give only you know our money that we can only can give out three times a year to something and we've chosen this band then I mean that that we're part of that gang you know oh yeah and so did you find did you find that to be the case whenever you decided to listen to Diamond Head or some of the other new wave of British heavy metal bands thanks well, to Metallica. Let me let me say the first time I heard Diamond Head though is because uh, I, I did find a cassette in Camelot Music. <laughs> if you remember that place from North. Of Oklahoma. course, for sure, for sure. Uh, there was a, a the clearance bin and it was a cassette called Deeper Into the Vault and it had the original version of Am I Evil and the original version of Flip Creek, which I know is not Diamond Head, but um, they also had the uh, original version of Alone in the Dark by Testament with Steve Souza singing. Oh wow, wow, that's cool. So, that's, that's the only three things I can remember on that tape, but that's my first time hearing Diamond Head because I saw those things on there and I wanted to hear the original. You know, right, so sure. I, for three ninety nine or whatever it was, you know, because and, and how, how old were you? I think I had just got my first job at the time, so I must have been fifteen, fourteen, fifteen, somewhere so, in there. So you were probably, you know, nothing against Diamond Head, but you were probably disappointed because at that point you only wanted, you know, Metallica was probably your you know, the gang you identified with. So it was almost like you were, it was almost like Diamond Head was covering Metallica when you were listening to that. Is that right? Well, yeah, because, you know, by that point, I mean, my, my exposure to Metallica was the one video. So that was 1988. Well, them all had been out for five years by that point. You yeah, know? yeah. That cover was already five years old. So, you know. So yeah, well, some, yeah, it's strange it, to think about that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that makes the original song even that much older. So, and it definitely has that 70s sound to it. You know what I mean? It's It's got that that sound quality, that production that makes it sound, I hate to say, uh, yeah, I guess it does sound dated, you know. But Well, I mean, for such a low budget, and it's so funny to think about, you know, we were talking about this the other day. It's so funny, like, you know, I, I like to think that I was kicking some some, some major uh, ass when I was, I, whenever I was 19 or 20, but I, you know, I wasn't 
doing it at, at at this level. And you know, the very first Diamond Head record came out in 1980 when it has Am I Evil on it, called Lightning to the Nations. And you know, those guys were. I think I think they were. I don't think there was anybody in the band over 20. I mean, we're talking like like young dudes. And the same thing with with, with Kill 'Em All. You look on the back of the record, and dude, they're kids. It's like they're literally, I think Lars is like 19. I think James is, is 19 or 20. I mean, they're young dudes. Yeah. You know? Did you – go ahead. They look pretty rough. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that's what's funny to think about is by the time you had heard, uh, you know, uh, Diamond Head or even heard Metallica or Exposed them, you know, in 88 – They'd been a band for five years, and, you know, Cliff Burton had been, you know, dead for two years. And, you know, you're thinking that you missed it all, and it's what's even crazier to think that in 1988, James Hetfield was, like, 25 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's insane to think that, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, because I've thought, I thought about that myself, too. But yeah. uh, I was going to say, while we're on that subject, though, uh, we're talking about Metallica putting their own spin on the, on the covers and stuff. I gotta say, it's probably the worst original founding song based off the Metallica version. It's gotta be Bread Fan. Oh, oh with the, the 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 budgie thing, like you went, but that was the one that you were kind of. I, I think I've heard. I think I've heard that from a lot of people. Yeah, it, it is. It is very different. It, well, yeah, I mean, that's just like the magic of them putting their stamp on it. But my God, what was your reaction when you first heard that original song? Yeah, same, same thing. And 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 I would say the same thing if I heard it for the first time, like like last Tuesday, and I heard it for the first time, like I said, probably off of some Camelot, you know, compilation. And I was yeah. like, what is this? Can't be the same thing, <laughs> man. You know, holy cow. And then and you know what was funny is I I heard it not that long ago, and it just it just sounds like something that came out like in the early seventies that was yeah. a part of that that whole thing. Um, no, correct I, me if I'm, it, no, I'm sorry. sorry. Correct me if I'm wrong though, because I I don't think I've listened to the whole thing of the of the original song anyway. I don't think I've listened to it all the way through. But that doesn't it doesn't have the the middle part, does it? Did Metallica add that middle part in? Yeah, it, it does, but it doesn't have the solos. It doesn't have that. Something, something to kind of bridge it. It, it has the same uh, breakdown section, but and, and 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 it's it's pretty you know close to it. They just they just ramped it up the uh, the the obviously the pace of it, the uh, the arrangement is still pretty pretty uh, sincere to the original, but it's just been updated with you know it's been up tempo. There's you know there's Kirk's solo of course that just kind of kind of shapes the whole thing, actually, you know. But you had to think about what was going on at that time, too, though. I mean, you know, Budgie, of course, was married to Susie Sue, uh, of course, later of the Banshees, and and that that was that was its own lane, and that was what influenced, um, you know, Metallica. I mean, the same thing. I mean, you're you're in a and one of the heaviest bands I've ever seen, and and if people were to to list your, you know, influences, you would say Aerosmith and Prince, you know, right next to you know, the heavy stuff. So you have to kind of, kind of, kind of pick, pick that with it too, I think. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, but what's interesting. So now, obviously I, I wanted to get your thoughts about, you know, Metallica at late last year after eight long years, of course, you know, they, they weren't totally dormant. They were still doing shows and, you know, they actually did a record with Lou Reed. Um, and, uh, it was in, in 2010. Then they did a, a movie, uh, the through the never concert film, um, you know, and still touring every summer. So, you know, still very, uh, still very active as 
Metallica uh, between releases, uh, this time being eight long years. So I wanted I wanted to get obviously you were excited uh, you were anticipating the record. Well, uh, what t- tell me your experience? I like it. <laughs> I don't think it's an amazing, awesome album like everyone's saying, but I like it. Um, I think it takes a few listens. You know, I've got it on my iPod and I listen to it when it when it comes on the shuffle and stuff like that. Uh, so I do like it better now than when I first heard it. But I mean, it's not it's not bad by any stretch. I'm not saying that. I just don't think it's an amazing album. You know what I mean? Well, you don't sound very excited. Here, here, here's what I mean. Uh, because, okay, like when – so by comparison, because I've always thought that with any artist, you only can compare their albums to each other. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's unfair to – you're not going to compare, you know, Testament's newest record to Miles Davis's kind of blue. You know, it's uh, – it, you would only would compare it to other Testament records and most usually the, the, the one that came before it. So when Death Magnetic came out in 2008, after a long run of a lot of what many would call, myself included, failed experiments like St. Anger and, uh, and of course, the reload load thing and all that, um, were you expecting more of the same when Death Magnetic came out? Or were you – and if you were, I mean, like, what was your experience with that one? I mean, were you really excited? What was up? All right, let me let me back up a little bit to get to that because uh, when Load and Reload first came out back in the 90s, I hated both of them. And it wasn't until after we saw them in 97 on the Load tour that I was like, wow, those songs actually sounded good live. So I bought the album. And I, I do think to this day that Load is very underrated and it deserves more of a chance. All right, okay. Now that, Reload is, is not aged as well. You know, we'll say that. Um, Saint Anger is garbage. I, I cannot listen to that all the way through. I've tried. It's it's it almost dares you to listen to it in one sitting, and I I, I don't accept the dare. Um, right. Well, it, it, it's funny that you know I I I I like it that it exists because it by all means is not an album. It's not an album at all by by any band by any. It is this weird, unfinished thing. I mean, it's got to be the most just puzzling expensive, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure like small, tiny labels. I mean, like, you know, the first MOD record was made in like six days for a tiny label and, you know, and shipped a thousand copies. I'm talking about for a record to go number one in 30 countries and to ship platinum. It is, it is the weirdest thing because there isn't anything about that record or any of those songs that is finished. And they'll be the the first one to tell you that. But what I want to know is what did those three records do? When I'm saying three, I mean Load, Reload, and Thin Anger. What did they do to shape your anticipation for when Death Magnetic came out? Well, when that one came out, I remember they released uh, The Day That Never Comes. I heard that on Sirius XM. Uh, well, the first single, Sirius. right. Yeah. I was like, okay, it's, it, you know, it, it had that newer Metallica sound, but production, you know, it, it, yeah. it had sound quality to it, but it's still them, you know. But it also was constructed more in the lines of Sanitarium and... Uh, you know, Fade to Black, that kind of thing, like that, that song structure. Right. So this sounds promising, all right? Now, I went and bought the CD when it came out, and I put it in the car, and the first song on it, uh, this is just your, that was just your life, right? Yeah. And I remember the smile that came across my face when that kicked in. Yeah. Like that, that song, oh, my God. I, I, I had chills thinking about it now. But, like, that was, I was like, they are back. Oh, my God, I can't believe it, you know? And the whole album is great. It really is. I think the uh, um, 
this, despite being, I hate sequel songs, but Unforgiven 3 is so far better than Unforgiven 2. But uh, the, the instrumental's pretty good. Well, let me say this then. Let, let, let me say this then. But before you go track to track, let me say this. What I want to get from you from that is where you were at when the new Metallica record called Hardwired to Self-Destruct came out. Because basically what, what I'm getting from you right now is it, it re re-energized you. It reinvigorated you. It you The thing that you thought was never going to happen, you kind of got that thing back that you had missed dearly, that you knew that there was really no chance of ever getting it back, and suddenly it had returned to your life. So because of that, it sounds like you were reinvigorated. You were re-energized. So that means that you, when Hardwired to Self-Destruct came out, or at least when you were about to hear new music from Metallica, you were not indifferent. You were anticipatory. You were you were now hoping that it was going to be as good as, if not better, or on the same playing field as Death Magnetic. Is that correct? Yeah, but I, I wouldn't go that far because I would always say I was always anticipating New Metallica, despite what it was going to sound like, because I wanted to hear it. You know? Right. Um, and uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. I'm sorry, I just lost what I was going to say. Um, I never really lost the fire on them because I think you'll agree with me that no matter what crap the album they have out, they're still the best live band we've ever seen. A- absolutely. Like, no question. Or, still. No matter what album. Still. Yeah. I so, mean, I, and that's what I, and I wanted to get into the, uh, to the recent, uh, live shows that they've done recently, uh, here in a second as well. So please continue your thought there. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, I remember the first song I heard from this one was the, the title track, Hardwired. And that was pretty cool. You know, it's, it's definitely got that, uh, I guess the, the young vibe back, you know, I guess you, the best way to put it, you know, hard and heavy and, and fast right. and point and three minutes long. And simple, right, yeah. I have to say I'm not wild about the album cover because <laughs> that's one of the first things I saw and, and the title. I right. Just, it's very un-Metallica to me. I, I don't, I, I'm looking at it now on my on my iTunes going, I still don't get it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of stupid looking compared to the other, like, iconic album covers they've had out, you know what I mean? Well, well but, you know, I, I think the best way to sing it is this, is, is for, you know, you said it very well, of course, but is it after eight years, and I know that a lot of people think, you know, look, look, these guys weren't working on this record for eight years. Like I said, they came out with Death Magnetic, they toured it for two years, then they did another record with Lou Reed, then they worked on a movie, then they did the big four shows, you know, uh, so so they really have only really been working on this record for about two years. Sure, they may have pulled from some different past tapes and stuff. So you can't say, oh, my God, after eight years. But still, after this much time between major releases, it's – and there's some good, good stuff on this. I mean, there's some stuff on it that I really, really, really like. But it's amazing to me, whereas on one hand, it feels ambitious where it's a you know there's two albums and there's a video for every song and and uh, you know and all these different crazy touring things and suddenly they're everywhere and uh you know and and you know they're at the Oscars and then they're at the American Musical or Grammys whatever and they're they're everywhere on the other hand it feels incredibly thrown together the title seems to be thrown together uh the title track seems to be just thrown together the album cover most certainly seems to be kind of like, this doesn't look like the methodical, well-thought-out, kind of overthought thing that we've come to not only expect, but appreciate 
uh, in value. I mean, Master of Puppets seems to have come from a different planet by these magical beings that, you know, of scientists that, you know, organize this, you know, this whole thing. This this really feels kind of like, well, man, we kind of waited a long time because, okay, I heard the first single. And, I, and while I was excited about, you know, hearing new music and how heavy it was, and it didn't, it had less in common with, like you said, the day that never comes and had more, seemed to have more in common with Kilma. While that was exciting, it, it, it seemed mediocre. It seemed, I, I, I thought the lyrics were kind of dumb. And, and, you know, for a guy like James, it's always written some of my, my favorite lyrics ever. Uh, the album title seemed to be kind of dumb. The cover certainly seemed to be kind of dumb. And it kind of reminded me when, when Van Halen came out with a different kind of truth. Where you know the first the first single tattoo is pretty terrible, and the album yeah. cover is also kind of like, huh? And then you know, but then when I put the record in, you know, you know the Van Halen record, then oh, holy cow! I, you know, I I I I love all of it except for maybe a couple a couple of, of bummers there. That's kind of how I felt about this. The only thing like like the song uh, "Dream No More" is fantastic. Um, I, there's a lot of good stuff that Halo One Fire is a good song. Um, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff, but at the same time, where is where like on Death Magnetic, just feels you know if this was boxing, Death Magnetic has that big fight feel, and it has that way all the way through it. Yeah. You know, that has that Rick Rubin where he has trimmed all the fat, and every song is just good. It has its purpose. It has its place. This just seems to be a little, like you said, kind of a, this kind of hodgepodge, kind of pasted together type kind of thing. Like, I mean, they wrote a song about Lindy's amp that's called Murder One. That, that should be the greatest Metallica song ever, and it might be my least favorite ever. It could have been better. You know, for what it was about, it could have been better. I will say this, though. The one thing that this album has over the last one is the sound quality. The production's far better, whereas Death Magnetic had that noise to it. There was just a little distortion. Right. The- well, you know, I, 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 I remember people talking about that at the time, and I, I, I always think that that's just, you know, I think Lars gave the best answer about that. I remember in an interview when he said, he goes, that's just kind of how we make records now. And, and so they were actually kind of ahead of the curve. I think a lot of things that, that came out of the way that was made wasn't, may have seen experimental at the time, which is also has become somewhat the norm now. So I got to kind of give them one of these, and when I say one of these, I mean I'm clapping my hands here. Uh, to, to wrap to wrap up things, talk about you mentioned a point about them being the best live band ever, uh, and what's even great is even still is that you know I, I saw them on Jimmy Kimmel and uh, a couple other things, and you know for a lot of people this is their first time seeing Metallica, you know, live in over ten years, and you know, and Jesus Christ, you know I've been to that Jimmy Kimmel you know, taping out in on Hollywood Boulevard and just it's just a parking lot behind a, a small building and, you know, they made it seem like it was New Year's Eve, you know, uh Times Square at the you know, at the Kingdom or something. You know, I mean just something crazy. Um and then I wanted to get your your, your thoughts. I think that's why also it was so important to you know, obviously much has been made about the recent collaboration with Lady Gaga, a lot of, you know, metal purists you know, they only like what they remember and Anything outside of those very limited uh, boundaries is considered to be some, something of a, of a, of a, of a betrayal. Uh, first of all, let me say, I think Lady Gaga is freaking awesome. I love everything that she does. 
I love her outlook on everything. I love her energy. I, I have, you know, spent time with her. I don't know her, but uh, I, I, I know uh, that, that she uh, – enough to know that she's a bona fide uh, metal person. Um, I was in a unique position that when I moved to New York in 2006 when her and her friend Lady Starlight were just getting their uh, – their their footing just like any local band, um, she could be they could both could be seen in in what we wore uh, ten years or or in your case still, um, uh, you know it was all about the Metallica Slayer Testament sleeveless kind of cut off yeah. kind of thing. So and I just think it's just kind of cool because you're not expecting it, you're not expecting it. So there's that. So but if we saw it was a novelty. Holy shit, they kicked ass. Holy shit, she kicked ass. It really brought something. And I think that's why James, is, James was so angry about his mic going up, because this was kind of introducing or reintroducing the band after almost being gone for 10 years. What are your thoughts? Well, I thought it was a, that was a good uh, performance, too, actually. Obviously, there was technical difficulties, and then uh, Laverne Cox didn't introduce them correctly. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that, I think the worst part about it were those uh, headbanger chicks just carrying on like being stupid because it just kind of made it like a parody of of who we are yeah but that 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 that's that's the show though that's the producer i i i'm able to ignore that because i know i know that the band and performer has nothing to do with that so but it still looks stupid and dumb and i wish they didn't have it <laughs> but, but in terms of performance man golly yeah performance was very good um it was it was worth sitting through a couple hours of crap because that's what the Grammys is these days. Because you know we're old men now, so I can say that. <laughs> but, um, but 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 all in all, like I said, what a neat way. What what a what a fresh way instead of being like, oh crap, we have to pull the Carlos Santana, and uh, and and every song on our new album has to feature Rihanna and you know or you know whoever the current crop is. Uh, you know, it was and it was. It, you probably heard an in interview since you know Lars mentioned about how how organic it was and. Um, and how it all came together. So it's just neat to see that that, that continued to grow. And, as, and, and, and speaking of growing, you know, Diamond Head are still making music, making great music. They actually came out with, you know, you can only can only can only do that self-titled thing once, and which they just did last year, uh, and put out a, a fantastic record. Still touring, um, and still kicking ass. Uh, so. Um, you know, so with that in mind, that's my next thing. Have you ever seen Diamond Head live? No, I haven't. I think that you had because one thing we talked about earlier uh, on the show here was that you know they've been a band for you know for almost for they celebrate 40 years as a band uh, this year, right? And they came to America for the first time when I lived in New York. Uh, was living in New York just a few years ago. Like I mean, I, I I was at the American debut of Diamond Head. That didn't happen in like '85. It happened in 2013. Um, and so, uh, but one thing I wanted to say was was that even then, and I've been able to go on to see the band, uh, you know, two more times since then. They are one of the greatest live bands I've ever seen. And there's really? something there's something about it that when I saw them. It really informed me that Metallica did more than just cover their music, that they got so much from them. And I think what it is is that work ethic and that live ethic. Because, you know, again, I saw Diamond Head play at this club called Trees, very close to World Famous for Deep Ellum. 
of course, you know about it, but maybe our listeners uh, may or may not know. Uh, and, you know, no one but in America knows who Diamond Head is, uh, you know, and they played in front of less than 100 people, and you would have thought they were playing, you know, you know, Live Aid or something. It was just so good and perfect and just – and, you know, these guys are doing this in their, in their you know, now almost 60s. You can imagine a young, you know, teenage Laurel Zorick seeing these guys do it, do this, you know um, – you know, from guys imagine him doing this just a few years older than he was. So, uh, so anyway, so so that, that that's something else I really was able to kind of understand about the live thing. You know, w- that both bands really, ha- you know, are will forever be inter- intertwined and, and and for for those good reasons. So, so with that in mind, sir, uh, where can people find you? Where where can they see the spectacle? I mean, anything coming up here? Uh, actually, funny you should ask. <laughs> We're playing the Abbey Underground in Denton uh, this Friday night, and that's and that's this, that means it's Friday, March thirty first, uh, in Denton. Okay, all right, cool. And then who who does playing with? Oh God, you know what? I just I know we're playing with Organaut and Monogamizer, and I don't remember the other bands now. And then you recently spoke with Chuck Billy from Testament uh, uh, as well. Is that correct? That is very correct. It was a very good interview. It was, it was great. And yeah, where, where where can people see and hear and hear to that? That's uh well it's on YouTube and it's also on the homepage for. Jim. I have and uh, and I again talk about we're talking about bands that do covers well, uh, probably even more so than Metallica. Probably my favorite band to do covers. I'm always looking forward to hearing them. Would be Anthrax. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. They're definitely one of the better ones. One of the um, ones. Well, well, well. So I hope everybody was able to to, to look forward to that. Uh, and uh, and you know be able to see you perform and also some of the interviews that you got coming up and everything else too. So with that in mind, uh, Mr. Thanks again to Mike DeQuincy for joining us again this week. Uh, okay, so listen, so it's almost time to, to get Brian on here. I wanted to play you a track off the self-titled uh, record from Diamond Head, celebrating 40 years as a band. Again, it came out late last year. Uh, it's a self-titled record. This is a song called All the Reasons that you live. Uh, first, before I get to that, I want to thank all of our great sponsors that keep our show running. Uh, keep the lights on here and have a great time. If you go to trickykid.com, you'll see a, a banner there for uh, office furniture to go. Uh, everybody needs, you know, office furniture. Most people have offices in their own house. So uh, click on that. They'll throw a couple of uh, bucks back our way there. And uh, we, we do, do appreciate that. Again, check us out on Twitter at uh, trickykid and the number two. Go to Facebook and type in Tricky Kid Radio. You also have some fun looking at my alter ego, DJ Tricky Kid. It's a separate page there. Just type in DJ Tricky Kid, and that'll come up and give it a like if you uh, if you like what you hear there. Uh, anyway, and so this again is all the reasons you live from Diamond Head, and then right after that we'll jump in with Brian Tatler uh, from legendary new wave of British heavy metal legends, Diamond Head.
Brian Tatler from the new wave of British heavy metal legend Diamond Head. And we're actually here in Dallas, Texas here at Trees. Yeah. Uh, Brian, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. I've been off stage about 25 minutes or something, <laughs> and uh, I'm here doing an interview with you. Uh, well, you and I, like okay. so we were just talking earlier, and you know, you and I have, haven't seen each other for a while. No, no, no. Uh, a, it's been a couple of years. About, two, about three years. About I three think. years, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, one thing that's so great is about, about Diamond Head is that, you know, we were talking earlier, is that, you know, in the States, of course, it's a little bit different for you guys in the UK. Uh, it doesn't matter if you guys are playing in front of 30,000 or in front of 300. It's always like you're playing in front of a stadium. Why Why? Why is that? What, where does that come from? I think it, it probably comes from playing big gigs and you learn how to project and you learn, you know, the, the sort of stagecraft. Uh, and, and then when you come back to a smaller place, uh, you, you've still got that, that kind of presence or something uh, it just works across you know uh, it's the best way to be really so you uh, rather than be scared of playing to a lot of people or going onto a big stage you know right. I, I, th- I always think the more the merrier I'm happy to play <laughs> to, to really big crowds I mean it's the, I think it's great I, you can feed off the energy but you've been okay so Diamond Head celebrates 40 years uh-huh. and that's my that's my thing is that there are a lot of Bands and you know naming any names that after that amount of time it might become old hat and when I see you up there Brian uh-huh. it's like you're it's like you're you're the first week of of, of a tour of your first <laughs> yeah. gig it's always first like few that. gigs yeah you know what I mean uh, it's always like that why is that I don't know I suppose I love it I think it's everybody in the band seems to like the music and we all get on and I think it all helps. Uh, there's a passion that we, you know, we're doing it for the right reason. For sure. There's so for sure. many places that Diamond Head's never even been. I mean, we played in um, uh, Houston last night. Right, okay. Never been to Houston. And like I said, the band's been going 40 years here. We've never, we've never been to Nashville. We've got that coming up, you know. This year we've been to uh, Malta and uh, Ibiza and all kinds of places. Uh, that we've never been before, so there's always something new for sure, on the horizon, for sure. I think, to keep your interest. And as long as I keep going and want to keep playing, then uh, I think Diamond Dead will continue, you know, for a but while. But there doesn't seem to be any slowing down at all. No, I mean, even This is a busy year for yeah, Diamond Dead. Yeah. We've got really busy this year. We've got a new album out, and we've been touring since April. We've done all Europe, you know, Ireland and Scotland. Sure. And, and you, know. you guys have... Have a new album out. It's a self-titled. Yeah. It's the first one in what almost ten years, like nine or nine well, years, well, right? It's about eight. Yeah, it's probably okay. nine by now. But it, okay. it, it, it was about eight. the last one came out in two thousand and seven, and now yeah, here we are in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, right. So it feels like nine already. But we started it in two years ago. Okay. Uh, so. But you guys don't sound like. Uh, you know, it's not a blues album. You know what I mean? It's not nah. a. You guys are touring like you're in your twenties. The <laughs> album sounds like something that you would hear. Like it could be, it could be your first album. Yeah, I don't know how that's. Where happened. does that energy come from? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we de- we definitely had it's a brief inspiring. with this album uh, that we, it, it needed to sound like Diamond Head, right? Sort of classic Diamond Head, and I think bringing in uh, Raz, who's been with us about two and a half years, has uh, has given us a real boost. And he kind of uh, listened to all the music and and probably objectively coming in almost like a producer uh, helped us def- define what was good about Diamond Head and, right. and, and what maybe didn't work. So 
he was able to go, I think this is very diamonded, we should do this. And, sure. And then maybe this isn't so diamonded. And I'm, I was okay with that. I, I didn't get precious about anything. I just, but well, he's got to sing on it. Let's let's give it a go and see how it goes. And, it, and it's been really good. Okay, so that, that, that brings me to two questions then. Okay? Uh-huh. Number one, what's it like having a guy that's in the band for less than two years telling somebody that it is the band after, after 40 years? <laughs> I, because I'm probably too close to it. And this brief idea came to us, you know, 18 months ago. We thought, right, we're going to make an album that sounds like Diamond Head. And we've never really said that before. We just felt we were able to experiment or evolve or do whatever we wanted, really. Sure. Uh, But there is a sound with about, there is a style, there is certain chords I play and riffs I write. And and, and it's. uh, it's come from that, really. So we wanted to kind of um, touch on the legacy and over the, under different albums like Light Into the Nations, Bright right. Time, Canterbury. And, uh, uh, you know, kind of you nod, nod your hat to some of those uh, earlier albums. Okay. Really. Without, you know, without uh, being, you know, cliched. For sure. But it brings me to my second question. Uh-huh. Is it, okay, so if you're that open to a singer that's only been in the band for two years, mm. why do you guys go through so many singers if you're uh, so diplomatic? Well, I, <laughs> we've only had three. Right. Singers. I've seen all three, as you know. <laughs> I know. That's just weird shit, that is. <laughs> is we've it? had three singers in 40 years. Right. So and I think, compared to Anthrax, we've <laughs> done pretty good. We've done pretty good. Who were our guests last week, actually, by the way. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Isn't, okay. isn't, isn't that funny? Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. The, the new guy's great. He I really think, is. He I think really he re- is. He's really helped with the new album. He's come up with some great stuff. I was so impressed with his vocal melodies. For and, sure. And lyrics. Uh, so but, out of the three singers that I've seen, though, like I said, I saw I saw it was Nick Hart. Nick, uh, Nick Tart. Tart, sorry, thank you. In Brooklyn. And then uh, a couple years ago when you guys, the only other time you've ever, ever been to Dallas yeah. uh, was with Chip, right? Well, Chaz wasn't a... An right. official member. Right. We, we had to hire Ch- uh, Chaz to do the tour. Got it. Okay. Uh, that was about, about 17, 18 dates. Okay. And we had to do that because Nick's dad had recently died. Right, right, And right. he wanted to go back to Australia and For be sure. with his family rather than go out, out on tour. Sure. So rather than cancel the tour, we said, let's see if we can hire an American singer. Uh, save us having to get, try and get work visas for it in the English exactly, guys, yeah. which would have cost a lot of money. Uh, so, Chaz was an, an official singer. He was kind of hired gun. Okay, so just kind of out of necessity, whatever, because an American guy doing an American tour. Yeah. Okay, but let me ask you this also. It shows you that what you said earlier about doing the for the love of this, because obviously you would be doing this for as long as you did if you didn't love it. Nah. But you know yourself, Brian, that you could play to much larger crowds and much more appreciative uh, or, or whatever in different markets, but for you to come here to Dallas and, and like in Houston last night and playing in front of maybe more of a modest type kind of, kind of attendance, why would, it, you know, at this stage of the game, there's no explanation for you doing that unless it's the real deal. Does that make sense? Um, I don't know how to answer that, really. Uh, 
we're, we're just doing the best we can, really. Well, no, what I'm thinking is it's, it's an inspiration is what you want. Okay, okay, I understand, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, that's it, right. In a, in a world where it's, especially right now in America, <laughs> where we're having a little difficulty uh, <laughs> having something to, 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 to believe in, uh, for somebody, you know, like you, like I said, you know, in... You know, in um, to be able, you know, just, it's still kicking this much ass and mm-hmm. performing at this level without the the spoils that maybe yeah. some of your peers have had, wouldn't that be the definition of the genuine article? Wouldn't that, I, mean, I, that, I that suppose is... so, yeah, I suppose so. Well, I can't rely on sales, can I? Because yeah. we, we never really <laughs> Listen sold. Listen to you so, so, so Well, modest. we never <laughs> sold many records. Yeah. Diamond Head didn't sell many records, uh, but it didn't stop you, is the point? No, it didn't stop me. I mean, I love to play guitar, right, and right. I like being in a band. It's what I do best. So, okay, the, the, we, you know, we didn't pack the place out, but we still enjoyed it, and, and you know, none of us want to stop doing right, it. Right, right. No, none of us think, oh, this is no good, I don't want to do it anymore. We just think, oh, well, you know, tomorrow's another day. For sure. Let's crack on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's worse jobs. That, that, that's right. You could be doing something else back home, right? You could exactly. Be holes, right? Or cleaning somebody else's yeah, yeah. whatever toilet. Well, you know, it's funny because okay, like I would love for this this portion of the interview. I would love to. I love for Diamond Head to have an interview without mentioning anything <laughs> but Diamond Head. But okay. as you know, what I'm leading up to the here, uh, right? Okay. So, it, is it is it possible to, to to separate the two in terms of 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 the because for me, it was like, obviously, that was my introduction as an American. And that's that's fair, right? Yeah, I've heard that, that I, before. Right, of course. And at what point was it, has it ever has it ever stopped being a blessing? I think not. I've, okay. I've heard that before. And I think the Metallica, without Metallica, I don't think we'd be going. I think it's been that much of a help because okay. the royalties... From the, the songs that they've covered, the four songs has helped keep me uh, able to play. And for our um, listeners, just, let's go over the four. Of course, Am I Evil, yeah. It's Electric. Helpless. Helpless, of course. Uh, and then the other one is The Prince. The Prince. Right, okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, so they've covered so, those four yeah. over the years since probably 84 onwards. Okay. And uh, So financially it's been a... Oh, been financially a, it's uh, made such a difference. Uh, you know, it's... I don't, you know, I don't know what I'd be doing now. I, 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 I don't think I could afford to do Diamond Head really without, um, you know, the financial help that Metallica have, have given me. The fact that I don't have to work sure. nine to five, and also, uh, at what millions point, at more what rock fans know yeah. the Diamond Head material. Right. They'll come and watch Diamond. Head. They might only know Am I Evil. But they've still paid to come in and, and watch us. Right. And then they get the Diamond Head show and they go away thinking, oh, yeah, I've seen Diamond Head now. I, re- I only knew Animal Evil, for example. I really liked it. Right. I bought the new album. I bought the T-shirt. You know what I mean? That's, sure. That's kind of on it goes. But they wouldn't necessarily have come to see Diamond Head unless they knew some songs that they would have heard via Metallica. Okay, but let me say this. Okay, I was the person that you described. I, I always was interested. It's kind of like I, I, I like, I'm a big fan of hip-hop, okay? So I always wanted to follow where the samples came from, okay? Oh, okay. And so that kind of bridged me to kind of learn about, you know, James Brown. And, and you know, I was like, oh, wow, well, you know, between me and my parents, you know, this, we have, you know. And so same thing with, with covers. Every time I hear a cover, and, you know, I was, think about it, I mean, I was 12 
when when you know Master of Puppets came out. So for me, right. uh, you know, I was I, I didn't even know that those weren't their songs. I mean, I I, I didn't know what the, you know what the, what that meant. Yeah. But so for me, I always wanted to see Diamond Head. I I, I got lost in the nations. Mm -hmm. I you know it was it was in tune. And so when you and I first met a few years ago in Brooklyn at uh, at uh, we said it earlier, God, St. Vitus, thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, after, that was one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my oh, entire life. Thank you. And so that's why, okay, so sure, I could be casual about it. I could go, oh, I want to go see those guys that Metallica likes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but after the show, I was like, I will never miss these guys ever again. If, if we're ever in the same city, and, yeah. and you were so kind, and we had such a great time that night. And, yeah. and, and I was like, if I'm ever in the same city... As these guys, I will <laughs> I, I will be there. Yeah. So thank you for that. It, it went from well, you're welcome, but but it, it went. But, but thank you because it went from being a novelty to being oh oh my god, like yeah. this is this is what this is the real deal. This is the really and even with three different singers, there wasn't. I can't I can't say there was one of the three shows that I've seen where I was kind of like. Oh, that one was a little better than the other. Yeah. They were all just kind of, I've grown, kind of I've grown performing at the same yeah. at the same level there. That's you know? But now, but, but but think about this though. Okay, again, about not separating it from the whole Metallica thing. At what point, like, because Light and the Nations came out what eighty eighty one, right? Eighty one. Light into the Nations was eighty. Yeah. Eighty, right? Okay, so that was that big year for the new wave of British yeah. heavy metal, of course. Yeah. So, at what point where did you really start to benefit from from the Metallica thing? Uh, you really, I mean, you really okay, started to notice 1990, it. really, because first of all, with uh, Am I Evil cover, uh, we were still in debt to our publishers, so I didn't receive any royalties until that debt was paid off. Got it, right. So Metallica was quite small until, you know, 88, 89. Right, sure. When, when Justice for All was kicking off. Uh, They'd been on music for nations around Europe, and right. uh, so it, I remember buying those expensive yeah, ex uh, imports. It, as a, as a, didn't, <laughs> uh, they didn't sell that much at first, right. and, and they grew and grew, didn't they? As everybody knows. So, by eventually, I managed to you know get my publishing sorted because I I'd ended up signing a, a, a rubbish publishing deal. Okay, yeah, and just uh, to get out of debt, right? For sure. Uh, and and so I wasn't making any money out of the diamond. Debt. Material, and then once it went into the black, and uh, I was able to to get the money paid directly to me. Right. Uh, I started reaping the benefits, and at first it might be two hundred pound or yeah. a couple hundred pounds here and there, but it grew and grew, uh, and then the, you know they covered more. They covered uh, Helpless and the Prince, and then right. finally in 1998 they covered It's Electric, and uh, so the money I've received over. I don't know, 25 years has been an but, but, absolute... And what, what, what was Diamond Head like in 1990? When this, I mean, were you guys on we, the brink we of We even reformed in yeah. 1990, because we split up in 1985. Right. Stopped working altogether. Then uh, this guy who was involved with Sean and, and got Sean a, pu a different publishing deal right. uh, came to me and said, you ought to do a, another Diamond Head album because mm. Metallica and like huge... This is Black Album point. Right. Uh, and they're mentioning you all the time. And it would be, it seems like the perfect opportunity. For to sure, for album. sure. So, Sean and I got back together. Um, and we started on the album that became Death in Progress. Uh, so, 
I, I don't know. It just became, um, the, you know, a good idea. And, and that wouldn't have happened without Metallica. Right. And I don't think we'd have reformed again in 2000 uh, without... The 98 push there. Yeah, you know. without uh, Metallica. Just, just Is it fair to say that their choice of covers, especially with Lars, might be... To make sure to ensure the Diamond Head. I don't know. No, I think he really liked the of first course. album. Yeah, he wasn't so keen on possibly Borrowed Time or Canterbury or anything after that. Right. Uh, he's, you know, his goal is he aims at uh, the first album. That's what right. he likes. And well, Metallica have done, have even done Sucking My Love, haven't they? As kind of demos and Let It Loose, I think as yeah. well, right? But that's not Diamond Head. Uh, okay, we think. But. You know, there's only seven songs on that Diamond Head album, and, and I've already covered four. Right, so, so. almost all, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure in the early pre-Kilmore yeah, days, probably. they were basically a Diamond Head cover band, right? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. they used to do six Diamond Head songs in their set. <laughs> in their, in their eight I've songs seen set, a set right? list, and they would have done, uh, you know, maybe Streets of Gold. Or, that, that, or that, that, that's fantastic. Well, well, we'll move on from the whole Metallica thing. I just wanted to, to, to mention that because I, I again, I, I wish I could separate the two, but it, but it, again, I think it's a it's a fair question, you know, in terms yeah. of. Um, but I, the last part I'll ask about that is, what is the relationship now? I mean, like like, like when was the last time that you went to one of their gigs? Uh, well, I'll, Sean, or when last time they came to one of your gigs? You know yes, yeah, I mean? uh, actually, Lars came to see us in San Francisco in 2013. Okay. Uh, the DNA Lounge, okay. which was very nice of him because he's a busy guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I thought he's going to be hustled to death. Yeah, in his hometown, isn't right. he? And sure enough, he was. Uh, but he still came to watch us. And then before that, in 2011, Sean and myself were invited to take part in the Metallica 30th anniversary. Concert oh, that's right. That's right. I, that's at right. The Fillmore, right in San Francisco. Which was, you know, they flew us out and. Uh, we, had, we got to jam it with Metallica in the uh, H, Metallica, Metallica HQ and we did, you know, Am I Evil and Helpless, etc. And we did all four songs on the night uh, at the Fillmore. And yeah, it was right, fabulous. Sure. Fabulous. I got to go to the rehearsals in 2003 when they were putting together okay. St. Anger yeah. uh, at the Fillmore there. I was invited to come out oh, to, nice, the, uh, to nice. the to the rehearsal. So that was, that was really fun to get to see them in their... Uh, and they had ju- I think they had just done a couple of gigs with the Stones, so that was kind of a great time to be. That's probably of. the last time they supported anyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it has, to be, it has to be the Stones. Which, by the way, who do people tell you, Brian, that you look like so much um, often? Uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, and a certain singer for a certain English really. band. There, you look not a lot really. like Mick Jagger, okay. man. You know that. Hopefully, Mick Jagger's young. Young, the young, the young one, the young one, yeah, the the, young, the nephew of because he's older than me. I've had a hard life. Uh, well, okay, so at this stage, it, celebrating forty years mm. of Diamond Head, okay, and the new album is fantastic. It's one of my favorite albums this year. Thank I'm you. I'm gonna give a, a spoiler here. We're we're we'll be putting out our top twenty five albums list as we always do on December third every single year, and I can. Guarantee you right now that the new Diamond Head record will be on that list. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, because, it, and here's how, how we do it we don't do like, oh, you know, some kind of bullshit like, oh, here's the, here are the best, like, like we know what the best yeah, records yeah. are. It's like, here's what we listen to the most this year. Here's what we enjoyed the most. Yeah. And I have enjoyed that new Diamond Head record as much as I've enjoyed anything this year, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, because, and I will have to say that there's an experience when I see Diamond Head live 
that is kind of like, oh, this is what, why this is going on for so long. This is this is probably what you know what when people go the reputation yeah, of a live yeah. show, and this album really has captured that. It sounds yeah. like that to me. When I hear it, I'm kind of like, man, this is, you know, a, a part of its attention to detail and uh, quality control. You know, mm. not letting not letting things go that that aren't good. Uh, Working hard on the, right. you know, getting it right, getting it tight, you know, working on the song arrangements. And, uh, and this know. is only the second time you guys have ever been to the States, uh, officially, right? In, in, in terms of, like, like a full, like your first tour. tour. Yeah, it's first a, tour, yeah, right. Really, it's the fourth. The fourth, okay. Because we toured in 2011. Okay. That was then, when I... Yeah. Okay. Then in 2013, we did two tours. We did a okay. West Coast okay. and an East Coast. So I'm counting that as one. Okay. <laughs> well, we counted as two because we know. went back home again. <laughs> and then this is number four. I got you. But you see what you see. This is the longest. Yeah. This is the longest tour Diamond Ed has ever done. And, and, and so, and what if... The response, like you said, you guys played in Houston last night, yep. and uh, so how many more shows do you have on this tour? We've done about seven, so there's about another twenty to. Oh, okay, good, good, okay. And so, and you guys are headed to the, to the West Coast right now, is it where? You're... Uh, ooh, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't remember. I, I want to have, I want to be able to be able to, to anticipate. Uh, I'll have to look at the flyer. Uh, I forgot where we are. I, no, <laughs> it's somewhere. It's somewhere. We're here. <laughs> okay, so wherever you are. Go see Diamond Head. Yes. Check out the new album. It's the self-titled, and it's a uh, distributor. You can get it any week. You can buy it directly from you guys. You can yeah. directly, uh, come to the show and buy it directly from them. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's a lot more gigs coming up. And I hope that, that there will be a some future American tours. I would love. I would love to come. I'm going to be uh, uh, in the UK for the final Black Sabbath shows in February. Mm -hmm. So I hope that if you guys are playing anywhere in the UK in February. I because I would love to see I would love to see a a hometown show so yeah, yeah. so maybe the next time you and I do this Brian uh, it will be uh, on your home yeah, home in the home, Midlands yeah, yeah. <laughs> well Brian thank you, you again know. thank you again so much cheers. Uh, for, no for, for, cheers to you sir thank you and where can real fast before we go where can they find you guys on all the online -y stuff this yeah Head. This, there's a diamond headnet website and there's Facebook of course um, right there's, and the Twitters and all that with, stuff. Okay. yeah uh, Raza, our new singer, does a lot of that. Okay. He, he's he's like a geek, you know. He's into all that. Sure, sure. So, and, and he's one of the guys who's, who's uploading content fairly regularly now. Right. Uh, something we probably missed in the past. You know, <laughs> you know, so. Well, yeah, but I mean, but it, it, now it is like a necessity for sure. It does. Yeah. Well, Brian, again, thank you so much. Cheers, I you. really, really, really appreciate it. And we'll see you. We'll we'll do this again okay. soon, my friend. Cool. So we'll do that. Thanks again to. Uh, my man Brian Tatler from, from Diamond Head joining us this week, as well as Mike DeQuincio and, and, and all of our guests. We thank you guys so much, man. Uh, what a great show this week. I had so much fun. And again, uh, Diamond Head is going to be returning to the States, uh, I believe, this summer. They're going to be doing a big uh, event out called Saco Las Vegas. And man, if you haven't seen the lineup for that, holy cow, the King Diamond is headlining. And the Melvins are going to be there and Corrosion of Conformity. And, and it's, it's so great to see Diamond Head where they belong with the with with these bands that they clearly influenced that are not only their peers but uh you know just playing a, a big gig for the right people and and being a part of that here in the states so so and then i think there's going to be a whole tour around it so you should have another so you should if you haven't seen diamond head live i'm telling you you're letting it you're letting the good stuff pass you by there so again thanks again to all my guests uh brian tatler mike DeQuinzio. 
Again, I am Roy Turner, and look for us this weekend at the Dallas Comic Con and the National Video Game Museum, and look us up on Twitter and Facebook, and we will see you next week.